New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. I wrote this thing. I hope you like it. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's lose track. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Talking to Leo Today I'm talking to the Aphotic Realm team, which is A.A. Medina, Dustin, Shiler, Yoke, and uh, Associate Editor Chris Martin. Um, we have a great chat about what's been going on at Aphotic Realm, the latest updates, Medina's new book, what everyone's been writing, uh, I learn about Dungeons and Dragons, which is fun. It was a great chat and I hope you enjoy it. As always, if you're a reader, writer, listener, you know, whatever. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me for any reason, you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, but that's enough for me. Here's the episodes. Yeah. How have you been? Fantastic as always. No complaints. It's uh, getting lighter here in uh, Norway. Got a cat like a month ago. Saw the, saw the headshot. <laughs> yeah. no one will let me practice taking photos of them so it's just <laughs> my cat which which i've gone to this photography club and they were just like yeah uh, i don't think people should bring in photos of their cats anymore and i was like who's that who's that directed to <laughs> thanks so jeez i don't know getting in the neck about oh that's not fair Ganked up man yeah, I know. I guess uh, no. I'm I'm still in uh, still in Stavanger, but I've got like a desk, a full office here in the corner, so it's nice, feeling professional. Nice. Yeah. So How are you guys doing? Good. It's uh, winter's over in Arizona. It's already like 85 degrees. Yeah, we just Fahrenheit, <laughs> so just skip spring. Yeah, we don't have a spring. It goes from cold to you can go in the swimming pool. We're both wearing shorts and flip flops, so. Welcome to the desert, right? Ah, that's great. Yeah, that be, but you've got a pool. I got a pool, but I mean, two, three months, it's going to be 125 degrees Fahrenheit. The pool's going to be 90 degrees, so it's just like lukewarm oh, water. Yeah. So. <laughs> Go over to Adrian's and have a communal bath. Yeah, it's basically, it's just a, <laughs> it's like an old Greek bathhouse. Just 
Have everyone bring a, a thing of ice from the gas station, and then you dump it in the pool. That's a good idea, because it's it not is. a big pool. And when we had our uh, housewarming party, there's like 20 people in the pool. And it just, after about two hours, it was just like the body heat. It was just gross. I like, we'd get in the pool after a couple of beers, you'd be like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like the pool filter's running overtime. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers for coming just, over, everyone. <laughs> exactly, pretty much. Get the hell out of the pool so it can cool off. It was like one of those generic uh, 90s, early 2000s high school movies where like I woke up the next morning, there's just beer cans or cigarette buds in my pool. I'm just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's already bad enough cleaning after parties <clears throat> to have a pool. Near it. Mm. Uh, Chris, am I right that like the, th the three of you went to like university together? I did not. You did not. You didn't? Okay. Did I figured not. you were, okay. So how, how do you two know each other? He was introduced to me through a mutual friend of ours uh, to actually start playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Nice. And uh, I guess it was a year or two after that you mentioned a fight round to me. Yeah, because he was the dungeon master. And, you know, just mm -hmm. through chit-chatting before and after during games, he was a creative writing. He wrote a lot of fantasy, read a lot of fantasy. I mean, on par with being a dungeon master, kind of, you get into that world, you yeah. know. And it's kind of like, well, do you want to, and you were going to what, the community college down the street? Glendale Community. <clears throat> taking classes on creative writing and stuff. And I was like, well, if you want to keep going, I was like, you can, you know, proofread for us and see where it goes. And now we're here. So. Nice. That's awesome. It's like, um, I think that most of the best, like, I don't know, creative decisions or like working together is just through like random chat that wasn't related to <laughs> anything professional. Just kind of, go, Oh wait, you could do that. You know? Oh, exactly. I mean, like, he was going to school for it already, and it's like, well, if you want to just dive into the world that Dustin and I are figuring out right now, too, I mean, mm. he only lives down the street from me, so Dustin lives across the country. Right. So it's like, you know, <laughs> three heads are better than one, and at least one I can slap, because it's, I'm just kidding. I'll slap <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I mean. Yeah. He's bigger than yeah. me. He's got about a foot on me, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dustin, how are you doing? Not too bad, you know, trying to keep up with the day job and uh, family and all that. But, you know, hanging in there. Mm. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> I'm pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, like, I Skype with my brother maybe once, a, like once a quarter, and he said, like, when I see you next, I'm going to have read a whole bunch of stuff that we can talk about because I don't do anything. And I was like, That's a great plan. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I have done a bunch of reading so far this year, all, all, all audiobooks, but uh, because mm -hmm. I have a long commute to my day job. So that's pretty much the only way I get reading done. If it's not mm -hmm. business, aphotic realm related, uh, you know, yeah. then I don't read. <laughs> it's like it's all audiobooks. So um, lots of fantasy, like Dresden Files. Uh, I started reading some of that. Uh, um, the Longmire series. Did you ever watch that on Netflix or anything? Um, it's Western fantasy stuff. It's fun. Yeah, just stuff like that. Read a couple Star Wars books. Don't even get Chris started on Dresden Files. Never done it. 
Oh, what's the one with the drow guy? Oh, that's Forgotten Realms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you mention something like that, he'll just tell you the whole, you know, he'll go all Tolkien on you. Recite, <laughs> the, recite the Cimmerillion to you. <laughs> Turn red. That's cool. Have you guys been reading anything good? Adrian and Chris? Uh, me? I have um, Falls Deep and the novella submissions. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I have about two left of the first chapters that, you know, everyone's <clears throat> manuscripts to read. Yeah. And then it's going to be the process of narrowing it down to like the top 10 to request the full manuscripts. So, mm. but you know, you know, how, I mean, at least with me, it's like if I spend a day reading submissions, like the last two or three I read, I am already kind of like worn out. So I have to read, I'm going to go back and reread the ones that I don't feel I gave proper attention to if I was like, you know, after hour five of reading stuff or. Yeah. You know, so by the, by the end, you're just like, by the end, you're just like, guys, there's enough books. Stop, just cut it out. Have you seen how many books there are? Jesus Christ. You know? well, it's, like, it's to be fair. It's like, is it really not interesting to me, or am I just burned out of reading submissions today? And I want to give it the fresh eyes and the excitement of going back into it instead of just kind of, you know, because I don't want to miss on, out on something that's really good just because my headspace is like, I got other shit I got to do right now. Let's get this. I don't want to just rush it you know what i mean so so i absolutely do you know i just read this book um i've got it here have you ever read any dennis cooper before no um, i have not this guy is insane i was like you can't you can't write that like but the thing is like see if you do like who's ever going to cancel dennis cooper it's like he knows what he's doing if it's it's almost like armor against that kind of that kind of thing if you're just like look i'm i'm just going to I'm just going to uh, ignore the the waves of change and just do my own thing, and and people just accept that. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe um, I'm I'm well. It's my podcast. I can ramble. That's the point of it. But like, uh, you know, there's a lot of sensitivity towards what's getting published nowadays, right? And um, yet at the same time, there's all this like wild, extreme stuff getting published. I just don't understand if it's not finding the readers who would be offended by it or I, I don't know what's going on i think oh. it's like a i don't know if you it's the whole stick to your guns thing uh and then you kind of you carve out that that persona for yourself like if you're gonna write crazy shit and there's gonna be that that small group that respects it if they see you waver when everybody else is telling you like it's too extreme or whatever you might lose that core <laughs> fan base or that core following and then be like oh he kind of softened up it's all about mm. you know that that's how i feel i mean at least with uh like if you want to compare it to like metal bands like they get extreme and some people are like ah it's a little too much and then they're like you know what fuck it we're gonna go even harder next album we're not mm. gonna go mainstream type thing so probably not monetarily the best decision i mean if you want to you write mainstream you play mainstream music you're gonna make more money but i mean it's Passion-wise, mm. I guess, for the art. So, do you? Is that something you think about with your writing? I try not to. Um, I know for a fact that where Dragonflies Dance is a hundred thousand percent tamer than Siphon was, but it was also a different character, a different situation, and I wanted to challenge myself to write a horror in a different 
way. Same with the third book I'm writing now. It's different from Siphon and Where Dragonflies Dance. It's more, I guess it'd be more on the transgressive side. Than mm -hmm. There's not a lot of gore. There's not supernatural elements to the, in the third one. It's just a very flawed character in a very flawed situation. So. Hmm. Because I would have said that with the second book, it's like emotionally darker than the first one. It would be what some people might call more mature. Would you agree? I'd agree, yeah. So, mm. I mean, it deals with, it's more themes of grief and guilt than lust and obsession, which mm. is like was. So, you know, lust and obsession, I, obsession is, I believe, the character's more of a aggressive, uh, not holding anything back if that's the themes you're doing with the, like, the character archetype. Whereas mm. if you have a character archetype where you build on grief and guilt, it's more of a reactionary to then actually, you know, pushing his way through the story. So, yeah. Um, Chris, what kind of stuff do you write? Fantasy. Fancy. <laughs> Fantasy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty much it. Um, tell me what I think you're the, I'm sorry. So tell me what you're working on now. <laughs> Uh, well, right now I'm working on trying to get caught up on Gensub so I can write my own stuff with a free conscience. <laughs> we have a pretty long backlog of Gensubs that uh, go back to, well, we've gotten up to October of last year uh, that we've gone through. And I feel like uh, if I break off from that to start writing on my own stuff, that uh, I don't know, it just it bothers me a little bit. So I thought it'd be better off on myself if I focused on the gen subs and got them caught up before diving back into what I was working on. And as far as what I was working on, I have two separate uh, stories that have been placed on indefinite hold. Uh, one is <laughs> <laughs> one is my quote unquote baby that is more or less based off, loosely based off of the uh, actual campaign setting that uh, my D&D &D games are, are running on. And then the other one was born out of a uh, conversation that the three of us had regarding, uh, what did y'all call it, a chat book? Yeah, it was going to be like a three-part story <clears throat> where we all wrote a part. And then uh, Chris was like, well, I'll write the first part. And then what was it, like 20,000 words later, we're like, you know what? Just write the just write it as a fucking book, Chris. Like we'll do some, we'll do something. Else. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something else out. We were thinking like maybe each five to seven k, and he's like, "So I got all this," and he like built this giant first act and stuff. Words. He's like, "I got fourteen thousand words so far." And we're like, uh, but, um, "It's like I'm not done yet. I haven't got to the the." Like, I haven't the got to the first half. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> just um, write. Just you. Just write this. And our, our styles differ so much. And I was like, man, I don't think I could do high fantasy because it's it's in its own right and respectively, a lot of it's long-winded. And I feel like I'm not a long-winded writer. Like, I'll, I'm just like, boom, 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 boom. Because I start to get, like, frustrated. I'm like, let's just get to the next scene. That's awesome. But, mm. I mean, he, I've read the, the story he has in a couple of magazines, the fantasy ones, like uh, with Ones and Banished. And the other ones in... I wrote one for Banished, Eldridge, 
uh, I think that's it so far. Yeah, they're really good. Um, I'm excited for him to finish the book. Oh, I wrote one on. for Fangs. And Fangs, yes. So. That's not in the same universe, right? No. The other two are in the same world? I haven't decided on that. The one I wrote for Banished and Eldritch are in the same world. Yeah. I, I haven't decided. I kept it kind of purposely vague in case I wanted to tie it all into what uh, the other stories are. But mm. um, Fangs has nothing to do yeah. with uh, it was just a <clears throat> straight up creature feature. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. Uh, uh, just, Dustin, what are you? Sorry. Oh, good to know. Uh, Dustin, what are you working on? Anything? Uh, nothing really right now. I've sort of hit a slump um, in life in general. Just last year was a uh, kind of a stressful year uh, for <laughs> us, uh, our family and everything. Um, mm. So I sort of took a step back and I, I did a lot of, you know, sort of um, we finished season three of um, the Geek Men podcast and um, Bo stepped back from his co-host duties on that. And uh, so haven't started up on a new season of that. Um, but uh, through Geek Men, I've picked up a bunch of art for like painting figures and stuff like that. So that's sort of been like a calming therapeutic type thing for me. Um, but, uh, I think I'm gonna start getting back into, uh, the saddle, I guess. Um, so to speak, Adrian has been mm. bugging me about, uh, finishing my novella this year. Um, but we'll see. Well, it's like, it's, it's crazy. Cause this trifecta we have, we have such completely different lifestyles, completely different uh, methods of how we do things or processes on creatively. So with that comes obviously like maybe bumping heads or miscommunication or not seeing eye to eye, but on the opposite side of the coin, it's also, if one person has a problem or something, there's three different ways we could look at it, you know? So maybe I'm stuck on something or we're all stuck on something with the photic realm. And then one person has, what seemingly unorthodox to the other two of us, a resolution to it or a way to fix the problem. So it really, it really is balancing that fine line, having three people that are, like I said, completely different in what we do. Mm. So, and like, you know, you know, with writing, it's like, I, I can't, if you're, if you're blocked Leo on something, I may come in and tell you how I would do it, but that necessarily doesn't work. It's such a isolated personal process that it's, mm. you know, there's all these books on how to write, but I don't really believe in those books because, you know, we went to, Dustin and I went to school, we got our bachelor's in creative writing and it's like half these books are, I was like, well, that doesn't work for me. And I found a way that works for me that it's not in any of the books. I do weird things, you know what I mean? When I'm by myself writing, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's really just a support system. So I do get on his ass and his ass like, hey, you should write, you should probably send me something, you should send me something, come on, let's do it. Come on, you want to sit down, let's talk. But if they did that yeah. to me, I'd be like, leave me alone. All right. I don't want to write this week. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it's more of like yeah, a weird no, uh, totally guilt understand. thing. Like, uh, I didn't write anything this week. Why aren't you writing anything? Let me read what you wrote. <laughs> yes. 
thing is, like, I, I don't know. You probably also have that dynamic with yourself as well. Because me as well, I'm just like, you should write, you should write. And my brain's just like, I'm not going to give you anything. You're not going to get anything. And then it'll be like, fine, I'll just go take a nap. And then it'll just be like, how about this guy? And he shows up and you're like, all right, okay, cool. I'll go write it then. Like, you have to... <laughs> So that happens to sense. me. That happens to me every night when I go to bed, and I have like three hours uh, to get sleep before my alarm goes off. And it's like, mm. I need these three hours of sleep if I'm gonna get through work in the morning. I need to ignore this brain and get to sleep. But that's the only time my brain wants to function is like when I should be sleeping to get to work to my day job. And then mm. it's like, hey, it's the weekend. All right, brain, let's work. No, it's like, nah, it's chill. I'm tired. We had a hard week. <laughs> I'm gold for you every other day, and you ignored me. But yeah. <laughs> And then you two have a thing that I don't. They have children. Mm. I don't. So, I mean, I couldn't imagine with just my uh, procrastination and other shit I got going on, if you threw a couple kids in that mix, I, would, I wouldn't. There would be no writing done ever. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's even like my wife and I work opposite schedules. I get home from work. She goes to work. And I'm like, I'm going to get some writing done. And I'll have my coffee. I sit down at my desk. And I'm like, bye, I love you. And she walks out the door. She comes home at midnight. The whole house is clean. She's like, you didn't fucking write anything, did you? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> like deep cleaning the baseboards. <laughs> I was like, well, I wrote a sentence. I went to go smoke a cigarette and think about it. And then I saw this scuff by the front door. And now, you know. <gasps> Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how it's been going. And we just uh, we just bought a house, so you know, all that stuff. Uh, fixing everything, you know. Once you fix one thing, you're like, we're good to go. Something else breaks, or you know, it's yeah, just it's never done. It's never done. And that's it's it's finding new balance. It's a new uh, life life thing it's different from renting which i've done this is my first house I ever bought so you know it's like i can't just call a landlord and be like this needs to be fixed it's like oh this broke do i have the extra 500 dollars? no looks like i have to work more hours at work and then you know just it dominoes so mm -hmm. yeah that's why i never want to own a house <laughs> <laughs> well in the neighborhood i'm in now Rent went up to about $1,400, and I have to stay in this neighborhood because I work around here. Uh, buying a house, my mortgage is only $1,200. It's actually cheaper to buy the house at this point. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So, yeah. mm -hmm. yep. Housing market in the U.S. is all wonky. So, do you do you guys talk to like non-creative people about what you're doing? Tall, do you tell you tell people that you're a writer? Uh, every time I've ever tried to tell anyone, hey, yeah, no, I write, or they're like, yeah, yeah, no, I can write too. And she's like, huh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't mean like uh, what you do. I, I mean, actually, write. Uh, I write hmm. stuff. It goes. It's published places and do stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's cool, huh? Imagine that. Yeah, they just don't care. They yeah. do not care. It's like a deer in headlights. Their, their eyes just glaze over and they're waiting for you to stop talking so that they can leave. Mm. It's like, you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just answering. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my day job, I'm a general manager. And most of the people I general manage are high school kids. 
so it's like you know blah blah talk every now and then it comes up they know i i write stuff outside work because sometimes i'll just leave work i'm like i'm leaving early i got shit to do and like what you gotta do is like i have to go read stuff you know what i mean it's like i don't want to be i i have the freedom just to be like i'm leaving you know what i mean mm. and uh i had one employee that's worked there five years and he's like i was on amazon and i just typed in your your name a medina and he's like so i bought that book siphon he's like what the fuck's wrong with you because <laughs> I'm different at work, you know. I'm Mr. Boss Man, you know. And yeah. I was all, I, I told you, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I told you I write horror, and he's like, that was just. He's like, it was good, but I mean, I think it was the first book he's read since he got out of high school. You know what yeah. I mean? He's one of those guys. Yeah. He it wrote was probably it, read it. even then. He only read Cliff Notes in high school. Yeah, but <laughs> you know those people that don't really read, and then they read something kind of out there. It's not yeah. and they're not going to pick it up at Barnes and Noble or a bookstore in like the, you know, section. And then they go, I didn't know things like that existed. I was like, mine's pretty tame compared to a, a lot of the shit out there. Oh I yeah. Was, so mm. it's like, if you want to get crazy? I was like, I can give you some authors to get crazy on if you want to start this 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 reading hobby. You know what I mean? So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I am. Um, I th I don't know if you've seen. I did like uh, I made a short film with some people. It's the one where the woman eats an apple and then she dies in it. Don't know if you've seen that one. Um, I I saw your day off one. That's the last one I watched. Or the, is that the one where I dance around in the fur coat. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's, I like it. Become, it's become a legend around here. <laughs> um, that was great. I didn't know I could do that. I but I was just like, if you're on camera, I was just like, all right, I'm playing a character, so it's not like I'm being myself. And then when I was able to do that, I was like, all right, okay, cool, I can dance in a fur coat. And people will think I'm, like, able to do that normally. But um, I just, it's so funny how, like, Norwegians just don't react to anything. It's been such a lovely backdrop for my films. <laughs> <Just> like, oh. <laughs> and I was wondering that. I was watching just, like, pedestrians walk by. And I was like, that just, I was like, that just must be Norway, because if you did that in Phoenix, someone would stop you and be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You might get a gun pulled out on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. like, oh, no, it's not dead. <laughs> so. it it's pretty shocking here. Like I, I um, when I was in Oslo, like in the central station, there would usually be like uh, an addict passed out somewhere. So I would call the, I would call the emergency services or something, and they'd be like, "Oh, oh, where are you?" And I was like, "I'm in like Oslo central station." Oh yeah, well of course you've seen one there. And I was like, "Yeah, so can you come and get them?" Well, it's very good of you to call because like, everyone else, like I would be going up an escalator, and you can see this guy passed out with a bunch of bags or whatever. People just aren't even looking at him. They're just like, I wouldn't want to bother him. Wouldn't want to intrude on his life. And it's like, <laughs> you might want to intervene now, though. You know, it's not it's not polite anymore. This is an extenuating circumstance. So I kind of knew when I was doing that, like, nothing will make these people look at me. And I think that that's like, the, the amusing thing was for a long time, I was just like, I can't make anything interesting happen here. I can't get anyone involved in anything. Um, but... I'd made this film, it was like a, an adaptation of one of my short stories where it's like these two vloggers and they're running out of, um, they're like, they're losing subscribers. So one guy says, I'm going to, I'm going to kill my girlfriend on camera by feeding her an apple. And I told this to a woman who'd come to my club and I was like, all right, I need to do the short film. Um, I need the girlfriend that my friend's going to kill. Would you like to be the girlfriend? She was like, yeah, all right, cool. Um, she was pure up for it. And then I showed, we made the film and I showed it at the club and the guy was like, um, he was like, oh, I, I don't know if you, did you put that on YouTube? He was like, I don't know if you'd like to do that. That's quite a serious topic. You, you don't want to be like, you don't want to be seen as somebody who's like, you know, 
involved in this kind of stuff. And I was like, I my my excuse was like, I tried to make it so silly that you that and you've read some of my stuff as well. I tried to make it so silly that you couldn't possibly think I'm being serious. You know? Yeah. So that's my that's my defense for writing that kind of material. It's just like I'm obviously joking. Like I'm not advocating any of this. I'm just trying to have fun. And I'm a weirdo and I don't get to talk to people like this, you know, but you don't get to tell me how to write, you know. It's my one refuge for getting all this stuff out, you know. It's exactly. And if a person tells you not to put it out there, that only once makes me want to put it out there more. <laughs> yeah. And and there's only one person that if they're like, don't publish, it's my wife. Cause she reads everything. She's my proofreader and stuff. And, you know, she does all that. And I mean, there was like one part in where dragonflies dance where she's like, don't, she's like, you, you have a good theme going here. She's like, this seems like out of the blue and just, you're just getting dark to get dark. It doesn't make any sense. And I was like, fine. But it was like, I was so excited when I was writing that scene. It's like, fine. She's like, you, I mean, do it if you want. She's like, but I, and I was like, I guess, I guess you're the one person that's like, don't, I don't want to be married to that. <laughs> so did you take it out in the end? I did. She was right though. I reread, I rewrote it. I reread it with, you know, I put it aside for a week and it, it did kind of just feel like it came out of nowhere. However, that scene will be repurposed for maybe a short story, but mm. yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about it now and I'm kind of cringing if I would have left it in there because I could just mm. see the reviews coming in and be like, it was really good until about part four where this random thing happened and I don't know what happened. It's You know when you watch a movie and there's just that random thing that happens and then it goes back mm. to the normal? You're like, every time. what the fuck was that? <laughs> trying to make a cohesive yeah. story here and yeah, I just, yeah. Because when I get stuck, like uh, right now I'm stuck, I just start writing scenes that happen later just like by themselves, try not to go completely linear and then work my way yeah. to those scenes. But in the process of working your way to those scenes, sometimes that scene is unnecessary because the way you got there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just, I left that one in and it shouldn't have been there. So. Fair. Like uh, every new project, you're just doing that again. You're just trying to guess what the story is. And then you're like, well, maybe this happens. Maybe that. All, all of my drafts up into the last word or all just like random chunks of text like maybe he does that maybe it looks like that you know maybe they go yeah. over there and then later you just kind of refine and refine and find out what it was you were trying to write but it's every new project is exactly the same so it's nothing to be it's nothing to be ashamed of like I, I, and uh, now that i've got this club i really love that i'm doing filmmaking because it's something that like basically I, i've taught myself how to write i knew i could teach myself how to make films but now that i'm doing it with other people and I see in them all the all the insecurities that I have about my own writing. You know, just oh, the, the people are gonna you know, people are gonna laugh at me. I don't know if we should do that. I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to start until I have this bit of equipment. I don't want to start until blah blah blah. And it's like it looks so silly when somebody else is doing it that I'm just like, all right, I'm not gonna do any of that anymore. And um, I handed people a script last week, and they were laughing at some of the lines, and they were like, I think this needs a rewrite. And I was like, I says I can't tell if that page is like genius or nonsense but i want to point a camera at you and i want you to say it and then we'll look at it and see if it is <laughs> like i don't know like after writing for eight years whether it is or not so <laughs> just give it a shot and like who cares if it's crap anyway who cares like anyone who laughs at you for being creative 
is a dick. So, yeah, I mean, in filmmaking, like writing for screen is a completely different beast than writing prose. My uh, my wife do that as well, yeah. Yeah, my wife has her bachelor's in cinematography. So when she was going through school, <laughs> she'd have to have short scripts for her to shoot. And she's like, I really don't like writing. I like doing the camera work and like the directing. So mm -hmm. she'd be like, hey, write me like a three-page script. And I just write her a three-page script to do for a school project. And there would be lines in there. She's like, I really don't like that. I was like, you fucking do it what you want. Like, mm -hmm. if you think, and it, I mean, you, I've seen so many of my three, five-page scripts that will never see the light of day because she doesn't want to release them. It was just for school projects that are just completely chopped, skewed, bastardized, like nothing like my script because on the fly she decided that they're going to do something different. And I was like, that's 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 part of the medium. That's why there's a director. That's why the, that's why the screenwriter yeah, yeah. is not you know paid to sit there and yell at the actors. It's the director. It's his vision going off yeah. the blueprint. So. Yeah, and I think I think that's so common. Like I think um, you know, there there are stories that are the most sensational about the world of writing and the world of film are like when people clashed on set about scenes that they had to keep in, and uh, if if it's writing, it's like somebody who gets a six figure deal or somebody whose agent like is secretly stealing money from them, and these things are like horrible and they get a lot of attention, and but they're also not the main story. Most of the time, most writers are going to be like, all right, I. I'm collaborating. I don't like that scene. I need to take it out. Most people are going to go fine. You know, that's uh, I, for one, I'm not precious about, about anything. Cause I just, I don't, I still just don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. And I think that, uh, I don't know. I'm not like a pure sentence craftsman or whatever. You can delete a sentence. Like yeah. it doesn't need to be there. I don't care. You know, no. I'm the same way. I think given... most people are probably like that. Yeah. Except that one scene I alluded to earlier, but yeah. Other than that, I'll delete yeah, sure, sure, yeah. shit all day. Like, uh, I mean, when uh, Siphon was originally published with Hendred Souls Press, Tapia, MR Tapia was the one that edited it. And I mean, mm -hmm. he got rid of like five whole pages. And that was my first like published with someone else thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always hear the thing, kill your babies and stuff. It's always tough when someone you don't know is telling you to kill your babies. And I was like, okay. All right, he's it's his. He's publishing it. He doesn't want it in there. That's fine, and it did, it did make sense. But it's the whole, you yeah. Know, but but now I'm in, you know, hardened. I'll just I'll write a whole page and then delete it and then get off my computer. I was like, I wasted two hours. Whatever, got it out of my head. Not worth it. So yeah. Dustin, how about you? Like, what do you um? Do you have particular genres do you like to write in or? Um. Well. Uh. You know, I um. Probably no, I don't. <laughs> um, I I find that uh, um, I had a lot of fun writing uh, for uh, Bo's story, which was Bo's anthology, which was uh, like uh, horror um, western. Uh, it was oh, that yeah. was a lot of fun, um, which was surprising to me. But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, why is that surprising to you? Uh, my, I am actually named after a, uh, a Western hero in, a in a Western novel, um, a cowboy, Dusty Fogg. Um, that's where I got my name. The, uh, some famous gunslinger of the West in a JT Edson novel. That's where my parents got my name. And then, um, uh, 
my parents were obsessed with watching pretty much every, you know, Western movie and TV show there ever was. So I'm not surprised now, but at the time I was, was, but yeah. So I would say that, um, urban, urban fantasy, I tend to skew towards that a lot. Um, when I'm writing, I have, um, several, uh, stories that, uh, I work on slowly, but surely, um, I have ideas that I, I constantly am jotting down stuff for, but um, I have an entire urban fantasy, noir, steampunk slash stuff uh, story that uh, I've been working on. It started out as a comic, it started out as a novel series, and then it started, then I changed it to comic books and in school, and uh, with, and I actually wrote some some of it out but uh that's usually somewhere in there is what would i all over the place really <laughs> well dustin's an extremely mindful writer like because i i've read his stuff obviously and i know you're you're not mentioning oh unholy night dustin but he sent me this opening scene i believe it's the opening scene right with the archer mm-hmm. and it it fucking blew me away like visual it's a I guess I'll paraphrase, stop me if I'm doing it wrong. Uh, he's about to, it's a guy pulling back his bowstring to kill a deer, but he's thinking about it as a man, right? That, like, you think he's going to kill a man, but it's actually a deer. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how to describe it because I don't write that way, but it's it's beautiful at the end of the opening scene. You're like, oh, this it's this guy picturing, you think he's going to kill this dude, but it's just him hunting by himself. and I wanted to read the rest of it, but I know Dustin, he's, you're one of those guys that will cling on to every sentence and it has to be perfect before you move on. That's how I feel you are kind of. Yeah. And you know, I, uh, what was it? Oh, oh, no one's had an opportunity to read it yet. It's in the interview that I did, um, and upcoming, but, uh, um, best piece of advice a little teaser um it's gonna the interviews full interview is gonna be in the next magazine but uh this little snippet of advice was um done is better than perfect and uh so that was the best piece of advice this person had ever got as far as writing goes and i started thinking about that and i was like all right because and then they elaborated um on you know every piece of writing or no matter what it is you're doing whether if i were to apply it to my life i do i paint custom action figures or um write a story or whatever that case may be each one of those things is reflecting on your skills and knowledge and ability at that point in time of your life um so if you're constantly modifying it as you go, you'll never be done because you're always learning. So, and always improving in theory. So you'll mm. never be done. So, but done yeah. is better than perfect because it'll never be perfect because you'll always be learning something new and see a new way to do something better. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would add two things to that. Like I just read an interview with Samuel Delaney. who's one of my, I don't know if he's one of my favorite writers but i'm definitely inspired by him like uh 
he said uh, all works of art are they're never finished they're always abandoned mm. and you just need to know when to abandon them right and i think that's, that's really totally true because everything i yeah i i don't have a uh, shame anymore about getting rejections i think that's something that as we've mentioned before like i think it comes with time once you submit you're like oh i'm not exempt from this you know you start off you're like oh, i'm special everyone will accept everything i do yeah, i'm great and then you learn that you're not whatever but I used to think that rejections were like, oh, I did a, there's some missing component to this story that I don't, I don't understand why it's missing because I'm not a real writer and they're, they're never going to tell me that they're just going to give me four rejections all the time because I'm not doing what other people are doing. Uh, but then you kind of think, you know, if everything is kind of inherently imperfect, especially if it's a very long piece, the longer it gets, the many more directions it could go into then everything you submit or everything you think you finished feels like like it's unfinished, you know. It really does. I had I edited Siphon like ten times, and I didn't want to mm -hmm. submit it or do anything. And like right now, mm -hmm. it's two, two, three years ago I wrote Siphon, and I'm I'm look I'm reading back through it because the shared universe that the Claybrook County Chronicles are in, and I'm just checking on some things, and then I get stuck reading like a chapter, and I want to edit it. And then I have to do like, I have this voice in the back of my head, like maybe I should do a third edition with some edit. And I was like, no, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> and then, then it's the realization that it, it is what it is. It's going to be imperfect forever, in my eyes at least. Yeah. And, uh, so, and that's the whole, goes back to the whole thing. You can't edit a blank page. Like, yeah. That's what I think to True. myself when I'm not feeling the writing. I was like, as long mm -hmm. as the story's there, I could come back and make it all flowery and flow but right now what's this person doing they need to do it, it needs to be on paper so you know mm. well i think like for me i've just like i'm such a nicer person once i've written i don't know why but i also just kind of feel like okay for everyone's sake Maybe that's just my do problem. this you know? <laughs> <laughs> no it's like uh it's like it's like a strange post-coitus uh maybe yeah i don't know uh, it's like the writing know. equivalent of post-nut clarity so <laughs> it really is like if i get a good writing session in, i'm just nicer my wife comes home like let's go out to dinner let's grab a beer other than that i'm just grumpy and like i don't want to go out tonight yeah but it's too late you know i gotta go to bed the day job's too late to fucking lock myself back in the in the office so yeah, no, I turn into I turn into Tony Robbins after I've written in the morning. You know? <laughs> get out of there, we can do it, guys. Just you got. I know it's tough. You got to get out of there. And then like, when you're not when I'm not writing, it's just the exact opposite. It's like yeah. I'm gonna turn into one of those addicts in the station. Like if I don't, <laughs> if I don't. Write today, um, yeah. Oh man. But also like. I, like I say with this club, it's been really good. I, this is, I think, the first time I've been around other people creating. I don't think I like, I think I like to hold on to ownership of this, which is kind of a dangerous thing to do. You know, just like, I'm a writer and it's my thing. Because it isn't really. I think that anyone who puts the time in could do it. And I think that they, the people who deserve to be successful are the ones who put the time in. Is I don't think it is something that people own. And I don't actually believe in the notion of real writers or what writers typically do because as you guys were talking about you've all got different ways of writing and different you know it's difficult to edit the material of somebody else's and everything um so when i see people in the club and they're just like i I'd like i didn't like if it's an actor they'll be like oh, i didn't like the expression on my face and i'm like 
I don't even know what you what you're talking about. Like I didn't notice. Like, I've been watching films for like 26, 27 years or something. I didn't even know like I like I didn't notice. You know, it's like everything you think is a mistake is something that you as the creator are so much more aware of. Other people probably don't even notice. You know. Yeah, and then but like you think as like a an actor, that's their form of creation. So you know maybe where you flubbed in in your writing or something like that or your directing, yeah, they flubbed in their acting because that's what they're bringing to the table. You may not notice, but it's killing them inside. Like you know, yeah. So yeah, there, there's actors like uh, Adam Driver who will not watch his things he acted in. So like he has a rule like if he's going to be interviewed you can't show clips of him in whatever thing and uh i forget what show it was but he was being interviewed by someone and they tried to show a clip of him in the a marriage story the netflix show and he got up and walked out of the interview it's mm. like it just no he has a rule don't 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 even try it he cannot watch himself just has has a thing against it but people are like that Mm-hmm. I know I, I don't enjoy watching my myself, uh, but, uh, you know, when I, the few things that I've been in for the years and stuff, I just, I don't like it. Yeah. And that's the only reason I agreed to do this, because it's an audio podcast. I can't stand the sound <laughs> of my own voice. Oh, you're going to oh, really? your own voice. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it too, though, Chris. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have hardly asked him any questions. <laughs> it, 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 it took me a while to get over the sound of my own voice, but it, it was when I started doing the uh, Geekman podcast. It's like, well, my voice doesn't really sound like me, and it's almost like it's a different person. So that's how I was able to re-listen to the episodes and be like, oh, okay. But then subconsciously, I was like, okay, that's me, and I should probably not sound like such an idiot next time. Oh, wait, that's impossible. Well, try a little less hard. <laughs> when i uh when i started filmmaking like uh first it was like when i first well it first it starts with a podcast and i recorded like just myself talking for like 10 minutes and then i went to talk to my husband and i was like i can't i've got i, I said i told people i'm starting a podcast i can't listen to this again it took me like two weeks to be like right go listen to your own voice <laughs> listen to your own voice <laughs> and then of course like i don't know I, I make an episode roughly weekly you just get used to it and then when it came to filming it was like oh, i got to look at myself talking look at myself talking and i was like god i kind of wish i'd started this when i had hair still <laughs> whoops <laughs> but i guess we're never too late you know so uh then it was that then it was like got it then i got to watch myself acting on can and then that was a new layer and now it's just like whatever you know i, I feel like if i can if i can get to the stage where i can look at myself i used to be one of those people who um who would you who would say it was just I'm just not that guy who'll ever get used to it wherever but I think um it was, it's a bit like checking your bank account you know like I have to do it sometimes and I'm like ugh you know <laughs> but I don't check my bank account I do not check my bank account I wait till I get the notification saying I'm under twenty five dollars after I spend money and then I go oh no more money till paycheck comes <laughs> I, get, I get little I get little texts on my phone that's like hey. Did you? It's like really friendly. It's like, hey, did you forget about us? We sent you an electrical bill like a week ago, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Money yeah, is stressful. Money is extremely stressful. The other day, 
uh, the wife and I went to the store to buy stuff and I was like, I'm going to get that text saying I'm under $25 and I didn't get it. And then we're sitting in the, the backyard and she's like, you need to see how much money you have because we have to buy this. And I was all mm, 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 logging into my thing. And then our tax return came in early and I was all, woo, woo. And then I went and bought a bunch of unnecessary fucking shit. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're going to eat steak tonight. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Good like um, I like I, I'm an engineer by day, and I have to have very serious meetings with very professional people who are like Norwegian, and they're always talking English for my benefit. But like over, I think the year and a half I've been working in this project, they're just like, uh, if you spend a year and a half with somebody, even if it's like in work mode, like they eventually get to see the real me, and now everyone's talking weird all the time. I love it because they were just like, uh, what were they saying last thing? They were just like, we they were like, we come in here. Because we like we need to earn money to buy food, and I was like, "Who invented this?" I was like, "Just give us the food. We're gonna die. Like this is awful." I can't believe we have to. Do this. <laughs> and then they were just like, "So right, should we install the pipes?" And I was like, "I don't know. Go on and install the pipes." So I was like, I don't really like. I was like, I don't really like to collect things because then they decay in front of you, and it reminds you of your own mortality. So I don't really know why I need to make money anyway if it's not for food. They're like, you know, I've been, I've been, whitt I've been whittling them down to that level of weird, and it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't understand that concept. I collect everything. I'm a mini hoarder. I, I, I think it's because uh, I don't know trying to hold on to something but i know dustin's the same though he, he collects action figures and shit i collect random things oddities and stuff yeah i spend unnecessary amount of money on some things and then you know i get a package and the wife's like really i was like if you're gonna buy makeup i don't even care if you wear makeup you're gonna <laughs> yeah, spend 20 dollars yeah. on makeup i'm gonna buy this weird looking skull that's going on my bookshelf okay like, so, you know what? <laughs> You, you just tell the wife, it's like, you know what? You can take off your clothes and still look good. I, you know what? I, I'm just buying this to make myself feel good. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I, I, I tell, you know, and a lot of people, you know, other husbands and stuff go out and they go on golf trips, you know, spend all this money on like, you know, golf clubs and golf, golfing trips and resorts and all that stuff just to go mm -hmm. golf. This is just an example. Golfing. The only thing that you can really sell to recoup that money is the golf clubs. Whereas if I die tomorrow, my wife can sell every single one <laughs> of these action figures and get the money back. Because almost all of them are only gaining value, even out of the package. Because <laughs> the ones I buy, anyway. The ones I buy. Um, that is such a marriage justification, though. Yeah. Like but I'm taking just saying, all these weird routes to like I'm buying these because when I die we don't have health we don't have life insurance policy okay so you see <laughs> oh, this no. room full of I shit I have a good life insurance policy too oh but, I don't uh, I don't have so. anything so. <laughs> see that that's that, that's why the writing is going downhill is because you you were sitting there writing that essay for your wife <laughs> <laughs> oh no no that just that's just, that's just the weird stuff that pops into my head all the time I have really weird <laughs> stuff that pops into my head but. Uh, Throw away that action figure that's going to pay for the funeral. Well, uh, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, when either my wife or I die, we're just going to get mannequin skin suits. 
because we spend too much money on tattoos anyways. So I was always telling you know they do that in the old Japanese. They they leave it right here, so they cut the skin off and they. I that's really not going to happen. I would not like that to traumatize my friends and family. But <laughs> I was like, we're always like, we are going to eat ramen tonight. Yes, we're going to eat ramen tonight. Are we going to go throw five hundred dollars down on this new tattoo? Yes. Like our priorities are all fucking. <laughs> Yeah. All lucky, but yeah. One of the few good things about adulthood, though, is you get to live it the way you want if you're, Reckless. you know, if you're thinking straight. I don't know. It's Chris, not- what's like what's the thing that you collect or spend your money on? Uh, well, uh, recently, <laughs> most of my money goes to Dungeons and Dragons. What does that, is it like the books or how do you, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. Never played Dungeons and Dragons, Leo? No. You're not living, man. You could be as weird as you want. <laughs> so you it's, do what you want. <laughs> it's a tabletop RPG. You create mm-hmm. a character that's not necessarily you and you live vicariously through that character for the duration of the session. Um, you level up and you progress. You learn new things, skills, abilities. And you're hanging out with friends and so like acting. So like yeah, but you know, it's storytelling at the if same time. You want to be a barbarian because... with a full head of hair that isn't afraid of interacting with people? You can do that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And it's just it's like it's like a dice rolls. For example, Holy I play a rogue in his campaign that is a big piece of shit liar. So I have but a skill. So no different than himself. Oh, I'm not a liar. I'm brutally honest. <laughs> but uh, he's a cross-dresser uh-huh. in the game. That's cool. So, uh, yes, his name is Abe the Rat, but when he cross-dresses, his name's Abigail Havron. Um, and he lures unsuspecting victims from pubs and then robs them. But, like, say if I wanted to lie to someone, my deception scores an 11, I'd roll a 20-sided dice and add that. And the dungeon master would be like, okay, it's going to take at least a 25 to successfully lie to this person. I rolled a 29. So I get to do that. So it's, you get to do whatever you want and then just let the chance of the dice roll happen. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of it's left a chance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're essentially telling a story. The dungeon master is there to facilitate and guide uh, loosely. Uh, he's got the background details of your location and, and the world in general. And the characters basically do the rest. So, for example, last Saturday, I had Dungeon Master session, and he plays <clears> it. And they had, he walked in on a father trying to rape his daughter, and then his character kicked the father into a fireplace. And then they, <laughs> shenanigans occurred. My, my campaign's a little darker than the normal high fantasy. It's more horror-based. Um, I told him that going in. I was like, there's going to probably be some fucked up shit that your fake characters are gonna have to deal with in this fake world. But when I supply them with those insane situations, we already had a couple like more moral things. It's weird to see some of the people, you know, about five beers deep, two hours into the session, but it's no longer, they're no longer playing. They seem legitimately like, oh no, we have to save this fake person. You know what I mean? Like you could see it on their face and it's like, they're kind of, you know it's a good session when what's going on in 
in this situation, you're you you're no longer like in in the case that he just example. Um, I was raised and brought up a certain way. You don't treat women that way. And mm -hmm. so I walked in and saw this happening. I had the conversation with the daughter from the door and intuitively I kind of knew what was going on. I opened the door and there it is before me. I got pissed. He was legitimately mad. I was person. legitimately I was like, living. Yeah. So I Sparta kicked his ass into the fireplace. <laughs> but my, my point to all of this is if your players are getting emotionally vested into what's going on to the point where that line between reality and fantasy gets blurred, they no longer see themselves as, or in this case, I no longer necessarily saw myself as Chris, but my character, mm -hmm. then you know it's a good session. And as a That's dungeon so master... Cool. It's a it's a writing experiment because you've built this world and you build situations, but you have no control over the characters. So exactly. if you look at it like you're writing a book real time, but the characters are going to throw you a loop that you didn't plan and off the seat mm -hmm. of your pants, you have to go with it. You can't go, well, no, I didn't want this to happen in my story I'm telling, so you can't do that. You know, if I expect the players to go left and they go right, I got to figure out what the fuck's happening right. You know what I mean? On the... And it helps when you sit down to write because you get stuck and you go, what do I do when I'm dungeon mastering? Mm. Random and just go with it. it it's I mean? like trying to herd cats and you can't herd cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. No, it's, it's, it's got me thinking because like so far um, I've been trying to involve like the people in my club, I'm trying to get them to do the various roles and stuff. But I don't think anyone is very comfortable writing. And it's like you... It's like you said, people ask me how to start writing. I was like, <laughs> just go like that. I don't know. Write something bad and then write something better. I, I really, I, I don't know. Um, I can't, I'm so glad I don't have to, you know, pretend to know how to teach it because I don't. Um, but I could just use one of the sessions to get us to improvise a thing that we write collectively. And if they feel like they've been involved in writing something, then they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like a bit of a writer. And maybe that would get them more comfy. So maybe I could do a Dungeons and Dragons style like improv thing where yeah. I give them a premise and they have to choose a character. That'd be such a fun exercise. Yeah, like that'd be so friend, cool. And then we can film it and show it to people. Our friend is doing yeah. a one shot, a player, and it's not fantasy at all. We're a bunch of tropey high schoolers, you know, like the jock, the cheerleader, stuff like that. And we have to stay in this mansion over the weekend, but you know, there's supernatural shit, serial killer slasher shit going on, but we're using mm -hmm. the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons. So it's just a, it's just like you'd use, you know, I guess uh, like a graphics engine can build a mm -hmm. billion different video games, not like each other. It's just the mechanics mm -hmm. of it. So it doesn't have to be swords and shields. It could be whatever your imagination is, but it does get you into the, uh, into the role and just gives you a nice, mechanical blueprint on how to do things but not how to run your mm -hmm. character just if you want to do something it dictates the chance essentially mm -hmm. so like it's it's exactly like this podcast because like i never planned to talk to you guys about this now and then that thing an hour into our chat is the one thing that's inspired me to write this down so it's, <laughs> that's when you know it's a successful chat is when you're like okay we're all involved in something that we never really knew we were going to talk about and the chat takes off. That's why I was, that's why I called it. I, I mean, that's why, you know, that's why I called it losing the plot. Losing the plot like, yeah. what, what do you want to talk about? You know, what do we all 
feel is interesting. Yeah. Well, they have online D&D sessions. You could just join with random people. I think it's d20collective.com. So if you're ever feeling up to it and you want to see what it's about, um, yeah. It, it's really helped me with my writing. It's helped me with character development in my own writing. Um, not, you know, not necessarily does, because you're seeing three-dimensional characters, which are your friends in person, play out a story that, you know, you left open-ended for them. So when you take that same concept and you sit down to write, you look at your characters as three-dimensional beings. Because, you know, when you first start writing a character, they feel flat until you're so far into it. And you're like, oh, I understand the personality. Well, mm. when you're watching real people play out real characters in front of you in the world you created, it kind of helps when you sit down to write. Like, mm. what are the quirks that my friends had that on paper their character's a, you know, a druid that casts lightning and stuff, but the druid's actually my wife, and she has a very short temper. Mm. So, you know, she's all lovey-dovey nature, but if someone pokes her, she's going to throw a fireball in their face. You know what I mean? So that mm -hmm. you give it that weird quirk of, like, yes, the druid will have a pet squirrel that she loves, but if you look at her the wrong way, you're going to get slapped upside the head. That's... A nice quirky character, you know what I mean? To play to anything like that. So you know, that that squirrel is a source of a particular dynamic that's going on in that campaign. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into that. It's a, no, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's just. Funny. I mean, we've played for this campaign three months, about five six hours every week. So that's how far we into it. Think about like a episodic TV show. There's so many weird inside jokes and shit. We're not even going to get into that. You know what I mean? So. Really yeah. cool. Dustin, is it something you're familiar with it as well, right? I'm familiar with. I uh, played a different version uh, for uh, this thing called Warhammer 40K. Um, mm -hmm. But it ended abruptly when our characters, our, D and, our, D ma our dungeon master, underestimated how strong we were, and we killed the whole main person, the main <laughs> villain, on our first uh, meeting. We were supposed to... He said... We were supposed to go up against the main villain and we were supposed to get beaten up pretty bad. One of us might have died and then they were going to disappear. But instead, we destroyed that thing. And uh, he's like, oh, uh, and that sort of like took the wind out of his sails and he <laughs> just sort of ended it and we never went back to it. It's like, oh, well, you know what? People regenerate and come back to life all the time. Just it's fine. Have some magical thingy and it brought it back to life. It's fine. It's fine. Well, that's why that's why you have a dungeon master screen. And when yeah. that starts happening, you start flubbing your rolls. Be like, oh, I rolled really high. You guys are fucked. Yeah, yeah. right. Your dungeon master is half lying to your players if they're doing too good. Right. I mean, no, no, this is too easy. Stories are about conflict. You're getting away too easy. Right. So. Mm. <laughs> right. It's funny, like, oh, so, um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Go for it. Oh no, I, the, no! I was just saying, but uh, yeah. So that was that was ended abruptly, and that was that. And uh, I don't I don't play with these guys. I, I want to play dungeon. I want to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I just never have. Just got to move to Arizona. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's no way I would survive in the cold. So. Well, we we kind of half-assed talked about doing a. Oh, the online one. Online yeah. together, through this avenue using Skype. Mm. Yeah, we wanted to do an aphotic realms Dungeon Dragon session. Would you like to join, Leo? Absolutely, I would. Yeah, let's do it. Right, then. All right, he's gonna DM it though. <laughs> if you want it to be aphotic realm based, 
then you should probably do it. Okay. Because I can't, I have a hard time getting that dark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, yeah, I want, I want it completely fucked up as well. I want okay. it, yeah. <laughs> there will be killing of metaphorical babies and literal if you're really into the characters. So. <laughs> yeah, it's you get attached to your characters really easily to the point where I have seen people cry over their character dying. Well, you spend like, like days with this fake character that you're pretending to be, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and then you're like, oh, my persona died and I don't get to hang out with my friends for a couple weeks until the story allows my new character to come in. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's wild. Um yeah. I I did this uh acting workshop thing. We're gonna do another one next weekend as well, but it was the first time I'd ever done improv. And the guy was like, right, we just need to like, you know, have a back and forth. And he said something to me that was just like, oh God, I can't believe it like he came in with this premise and it was like, I can't believe you hung out with her in the cafe instead of me. And I was like, yeah, that makes me a dick. You got me there. All right, fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, in my mind, I was just like, I would never do that. I would just be honest with you. Like, I'm so, <laughs> I'm kind. I would never go behind your back. So now that you're accusing me of having done that and I'm supposed to buy into that premise, like I just live my life as if that's never going to happen. So, because I, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> so yeah. you got a yes and it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I did. Yes, I, I, I did because she's a bitch, and then let them respond. You know, I guess I guess it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I know. What's um? <laughs> do we need to talk about any special stuff going on at Ephotic Realm or anything that you guys are promoting? Well, we have Interstellar coming out. Um, I am mostly done with it. It's a uh, the normal life in the way of sitting down and doing the design and the formatting and stuff like that, but it's mostly done. We should have the the proof out to send to the uh, to the contributors here soon. Um, in the next week, we sometime modified the release schedule. Yes, modified the release schedule. If you want to go into that, because scheduling is my downfall. Yeah, hey, let me get the paper so I don't mess it up. Oh, there's my phone. <laughs> we modified the release schedule. Um, no, it's not you. So um, we had been releasing the magazine three times a year. Um, you know, a March, February, March issue, a June, July issue, and an October, November issue. Um, but we're changing that because of the novellas. And so we shifted all that around so we'd have more time to um, edit and promote and really work on all those. So we're moving those so that, and so we'll have more time to actually fully devote to the design and everything, take more pressure off of us, crunch time. So January is going to be the um, deadline for new issues for the March uh, 15th-ish release of the um, March 1st issue of the year. Then the next issue is going to be out in June 15th instead of July. And then um, September 15th is going to be our target date for our novellas. Um, and then December 15th is the final issue of the year. Um, 
So that's how that will sort of cycle around. Next issue cool. being um, Justice, right? Yeah. Yes. So some gumshoe. Yeah. With a stuff. twist of supernatural. Yeah. So, and I mean, just to comment on like our strange themes we have, you know, some people go, why do you do that? And it's like, well, because one, it's fun. Two, sometimes we get a shit ton of submissions because it's more of a broad theme. Sometimes we don't get that many submissions and mm. uh, it could be disheartening, but at the same time, it's like, it's fun. Like we're having interstellar this and then we're doing supernatural noir the next one and then we're doing fucking kaiju giant monsters godzilla style like and as an editor the people that read these stories it keeps it fresh right like if everything was just a straight horror like we're just a horror magazine sending your horror stuff then they're just you're just reading horror all the time but i want to see like how does a writer that has submitted to us three times before that has a style how does it translate to writing about a giant monster terrorizing a city when usually they talk about supernatural demons in a basement you know what i mean mm. like it, that's that's half the fun so um i just wanted to address that because i've been getting messages every now and then like a twitter dm writer like hey so i wanted to submit to this one but it's not really like the theme and i was really looking forward to you announcing the theme and it's like well that's not it's not my my problem like right we pick, we pick the theme to be fun it's like you know you if you don't want to submit to themes, submit to general subs. Well, yeah. Yeah. But you also get the hate of like, why? And it's like, you don't have to submit. Like, I never understood that. Like, if right. I'm looking for places to submit short stories and I go to a website or a literary mags website, like submission page, and I'm not filling their restrictions or theme. Yeah. The last thing I think about is emailing them, bitching Asking about Asking why. Team. Yeah. We are literally we one get a lot. lit mag in a sea of millions of lit mags out there. It's not like we're a cemetery dance. It's not like we're a giant mainstream one um, at all, by no means. But we still get those emails asking us to change things. It's like just go somewhere else. I don't under, I don't understand. Yeah. No, I don't get that either. Um, I mean, I I would love to submit to the magazine again, but I think that yeah, I'm just waiting for an appropriate theme because I don't really respond to theme submissions often for the moment. But, you know, if a theme catches my eye or if I have something appropriate, I would love to submit in future. So, yeah. But, I, I mean, I don't hold that against you. There's so many other places to submit if you've got something on the go. I mean, I don't know. And I'm not a big theme submission person either as a writer. But sometimes, <laughs> like, I, I got one story accepted. It was steampunk fairy tales and i was all that's interesting and then kind of like a thought exercise i wrote like a 1200k story and it was like a geppetto and pinocchio but he was building things after the rubble of like a world war one battle and there's like zeppelins Ooh. and shit going around and it got accepted and i was all oh cool could i do that again or write anything longer in that genre absolutely not right yeah, I mean, and that's exactly sort of what themes are like, you know, um, you you see these writing prompts everywhere and you see books. People actually make books with writing prompts in there to, as like writing exercises. That's what it is. It's it's a writing prompt to get you to can you write within these restrictions 
And what can you do? It's a challenge. Like, what can you do to, you know, be creative, you know, with just this idea? And I don't think our ideas are so restrictive um, by any means. They just sort of hone in on a topic. You know, mm-hmm. like with Interstellar, we were specific in the sense that, okay, we don't want you just to write a moon base or leaving Earth or something like that. Like, try to make it outside of the our solar system. Yeah, our solar, solar system. system. You know what I mean? Um, and by and large, we got that. Um, so that was good. Um, and I think all the better for it. Um, Very you know, interesting creative stories. Like, you don't you don't get to play with the planets you're used to. Right. You don't get to use a lot of the tropes of there is still the trope of going insane in deep space. Yeah. Which we saw a lot. But mm-hmm. there were a couple that we accepted where it took its own twist, did its own thing, and went in directions that we haven't seen before. Right. You know, mm-hmm. or like the other trope of being on a generation ship with a, a basically a society going from one solar system to another. That mm-hmm. you could do anything with. You just you have the setting. You've established it early, and now you can do any type of story you want because it takes place on a ship that's like a tiny city in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Right. And fair enough. Deal. It could be a murder mystery on a generation ship. That it could have been a murder mystery in a hotel or a murder mystery, you know, fucking anywhere else. So yeah, it it just it varies. But uh, yeah, I would agree with that. So with uh, with this <laughs> with <laughs> so with this uh, year. Okay. Uh, we are going to be offering uh, token payments or um, a physical copy of the magazine, um, you know, a writer's choice, contributor's choice um, for each accepted submission. Um, so we'll, we'll be able to do that for the first time this year. Pretty excited about that. And then when I, when I mm. talked to you the first time, Leo, mm-hmm. many years ago, remember, I, I think I recall saying like, you know, we've watched so many, you know, indie publishers, any magazines go hard for like a year or two and then they go under because they start paying mm-hmm. like pro rates right away. Uh-huh. I was like, we're three guys. We're barely financially supporting ourselves. So we're going to start by building a basis. And then once we, once it starts paying for itself in a way, then we'll incrementally. Yep. So, and I said, about two, three years, we'll start doing tokens. I said our five-year goal, hopefully pro rates. So we're at that three-year mark, a little later than intended, but we're at the three-year mark, and now we're going to start trying to do payments for every single thing that comes out, um, which also means we have to be a little bit more selective. Selective, you know, we can't yeah. go, this is good, but we only have so much money to spend on material we'd want to accept it all, but we got to pick the best, the best, because that's what we can afford type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's where we're out um, with the novellas. It's the, you know, the $50 advancement against royalties and then 60, 40 split. So we're hoping that by the fifth year mark, we're hoping we can actually start being, you know, the, the per word at a nice rate, make it feel extremely legitimate. Because as Excellent. Yeah. writers ourselves, it kind of kills us inside when we, you know, submit and there's no real, you know, besides maybe a contributor copy or mm-hmm. super promotion or whatever, it kills us inside. Like, we, I really want to pay people to submit. But at the same time, when you submit, 
you know what you're submitting to. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, or, so. but, I mean, I, I personally believe in like every level of the publishing, whatever it is, pyramid of pay scales or, or, or anything, because it, okay, you're like accepting people's work is a big thing for writers, huge for me, more so than like later, more significant publications you get, your first one you never forget. And um, you shouldn't, you know, we, we shouldn't be letting money get in the way of people you know, celebrating creative joy and stuff. Yeah, I just think that anything that can be done to make the most work possible accessible is a good thing, personally. So, yeah, it's never bothered me, you know. You're one of the few. Yeah. That doesn't bother. Yeah, we, well, we've, we've been talked to uh, on, on uh, public forums quite a bit about the fact that we don't pay our writers, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of this the content we have turned out we i think i think we have uh some pretty high quality uh magazines and and books that we've put out uh that uh would you know stand up just shoulder to shoulder with anything else any other paying market out there in my opinion mm. i'm yeah, pr- proud of the stuff that we have i'm proud of it at the same time it's you know we've always made it clear it's like yeah we plan on it you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the point we plan on it. It's, it's like if we started paying when we were in our infant stages, then we mm-hmm. wouldn't be around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, boom, 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 like, two issues, and then we'd be done because I have to pay mortgage. You know what right. I mean? Stuff like that. I have to pay rent, food. It's like it's all came out of our own pocket until it's enough to be in. Yeah. And like you can do, like you say, you can do anything if you're honest about it. It's like you can send us a story. We're not going to pay you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you sent a story. Okay, great. You're obviously okay with that then. Great. If enough people are okay with it, then it keeps going. And then it's like, right. well, fine. Like you say, if you're not okay with it, don't do it. But it's, you know, um, like I, uh, like I said, uh, like the, this filmmaking club thing, I started it and I love it. And I'm trying to spend like as much of my time possible doing it. And then just keep adding tasks to it and stuff. And last year, basically I started it and I was like, look guys, this is that. Dustin, both of you gave me the voiceover actually for that little first film I made. Yeah, yeah, for free, you know. I might add, and um, but like I made that film, and I was like, look, this. I showed it to people. I was like, do you want to start a club? This is the very best I can do, and I just showed them on my laptop because I think they were they were going um, they were like, okay, I think I've got a friend who's a film producer. We should call him. We should get that involved. We should establish a company. Let's get make. And I was like, what are you going to tell them? Do you know a guy who owns an iPhone? Like, who pointed that at himself one day? I literally don't know how to do this. But it's okay, because I'm not pretending I do. Let's do it anyway. So, you know. And that's, that's you half the fun. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. If you're honest about it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, our whole thing when we started was, let's do something and let's try to create a, a community of new writers. Yeah. So... Hmm we were the first to publish a lot of new writers. Like that's their first thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's awesome because we see some of them and now there's some of them are coming out with novels with actual like decent publishers and, you know, and I've seen them on like really big anthologies with really big names. And it's just cool being like, we published their first short story on our little dinky website the first month we were open. And now you know, I'm going to see it. Maybe hopefully I'll see that name in 10 years and they have a New York times bestseller and there's a movie adaptation mm-hmm. yeah. and, and we can go, 
we published that guy's first fucking 2,000 word story. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Way like, back when. You set yeah. them off on a journey, like, you know. It's exposure so, and experience for everybody yeah. involved. And it's yeah. that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the uh, confidence. Oh, uh, validation? Validation. Oh, is it A? It's okay. validation. They feel validated in their writing skills because they were published. I think yeah. I forgot it because you forgot it. I was like, God, yeah. no, okay. I get hypnotized into forgetting it. <laughs> stream of consciousness. Really crappy stream of consciousness. It's the first draft, you know. And at one time, four writers were sitting around in a podcast and forgot a word. If you, if you saw my first drafts, because I write by hand, a lot of times I can't remember a word, and then it's just underlined with a small description. It'd be like, uh, it gives them their first, and I'd sit there for a while, and I don't want to stop writing, so I go, you know, the confidence in yourself, blah, 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 and I, like, I circle it, underline it, and then when I go back to type it up is when I have the thesaurus up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say I forgot the word because I was just trying to figure out what the heck you were talking about thinking about <laughs> but anyway <laughs> I was telling Chris he got here about 10-15 minutes before we started I was telling him how I drank way too much last night I ate a bunch of brisket I ate a bunch of ribs and collard greens and I had like a both a meat hangover and an alcohol hangover this morning so I believe I've composed myself and seemed very intelligent up until a couple minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> I think you got away with it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if not, we'll just call it eccentricism. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. I'm eccentric. Eclectic. You guys, you guys are haters. <laughs> you, can, you can be whatever you want to be. I believe in you. <laughs> cool. So, do you have any other projects besides your film, like writing projects, Leo? Oh, yeah. I have uh, I have a novella coming out at the end of this month. I have another novella coming out maybe next year. But the 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 thing I think it's a novella. I don't know. I've spent like eight years on it. I don't know what to call it. And like we were talking about, um, is the one that's called like Mivu. I think I saw your grief. post. Grief. I knew it was, there's a V yeah. in there weird. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I spent a really long time on it, and uh, I'm still just like you know maybe Fen one. I I only spent eight years on it. You know maybe you feel like it. No, I forget it. It's, it was I was being silly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at self promoting. Um, it's about yeah. It's a, it's a piece of sci-fi I've worked really hard on it it's uh, a really dense weird melancholy thing that um i guess fans of my writing will like uh <laughs> i don't know yeah. I, I put i put lots into it and i don't really want to spoil or anything about it but uh i'll have plenty to say about it with with anyone who feels like doing so when it comes out so i'm really excited about that um i have a story in year's best hardcore horror which i think comes out like in the summer um, nice. so that's cool. That's really nice. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, just I'm, I mean, I'm trying to work on some short story collections, novels, blah. You know how it goes. I don't know what's yeah. going to come out next. I have a thousand well, unfinished projects, so we'll see. <laughs> I know. I, told, I one thing that works for me is just announcing that something's going to come out, so I'm forced to do it. 
So like <laughs> in the in the front of uh, where Dragonflies Dance, I announced that the Shepherd's Plight, the third one's coming out winter yeah. 2020. And I'm like three fourths done without any editing or anything like that. So I'm like, well, that's the project I'm finishing first. So, <laughs> well, I made the cover and announced the release date for Where Dragons Flies Dance when I still had 8,000 words left to do without editing. But it was just one of those things where I did it and I was like, okay, here we go. And every day was four or five hours of finishing writing, editing, editing, editing. I ordered a proof copy, gave it to my wife, gave her a red pen. I said, read this, edit it. She did, went back, rewrote it from page one with her edits and changed up some other parts. And then I was like, this is where it's, like you said, leaving things unfinished. It was, you know, it was, yeah. it, was it was coming up to a month before release date. And I was like, well, this is when I have to start sending out arcs. Usually I'd like to have way more time to send out arcs. I was like, mm -hmm. but I was just going to let it sit there and die halfway done if I didn't announce to the world that it's coming out, so. Yeah. It's, it's it's like I said in my club as well. I'm like, we're not in the business of making perfect things. Please just show up, do your best. We'll, you know, send out whatever we come up with and we'll do better next time. What more can you ask, you know? Yeah, I'm just a deadline-driven person. I need mm. a, I need the oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's like, I'll finish this when I finish it, it's never going to get finished. Yeah. But if people are waiting on me or if I'm, if I give myself a guilt trip, that's the only way anything's going to get done. So I've lived my life disappointing people. So uh, I'm used to dis I'm used to that. So, yeah. <laughs> Why deviate now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I said, um, last year, my sister called me and I just started a new project at work and she was like, how is it? And I says, I think I'm I'm fucking up. I'm fucking up. I think I'm fucking upwards. <laughs> She's like, all right, okay, I think I'm good then. <laughs> it's kind of live my life by that. Yeah, I mean, upwards. That's a good way. It sounds like a. It should be a book of poetry. You should make that yeah. like a parody of of Shel Silverstein. Falling <laughs> upwards, I think, uh, was a a book by. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Fucking upwards. Just yeah. erotic, just erotic for poetry. The fucking tree. The fucking tree. <laughs> I had one of those at my high school. <laughs> it's behind a baseball diamond. <laughs> Story in there somewhere. Oh, there I can is. my D and D character. That tree. Just give it like just a tree. Yeah. <laughs> was that an int? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a race. It's called an int. You'd be a walking tree. That's just very perverted. Yeah. Okay. You, Great. You, you provide shelter to you know young juvenile couples that. I think I've got a branch to fit that one. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leo. You have a standard professionality, and we just destroyed it. And you're affiliated Do with I? us. <laughs> <laughs> so when we have our meetings uh, to discuss business shit, it's about 20 minutes business shit, and then an hour and a half of this. And then it's always like, what did we, uh, what did we, what did we discuss? What did we get done? And I have my little notebook and it's like magazine and then like a line and then like little <laughs> points that are not filled out underneath it. And I'm like, shit, yeah. <laughs> we got together and we didn't get anything done. We just if, chatted. If you didn't know better, you'd almost swear we smoked the whole bowl. <laughs> <laughs> we usually bring it back around. Yeah. 
eventually. Yeah. Cool. Well, great talking to you guys. Thanks for setting up. Yeah. Sorry, I know it's late over there. I'm about to start my day, so. Well, I, I interrupted the latest episode of RuPaul, and there's like some major tea spill going on. One of these queens has done some shady shit behind the scenes, so we're, you know, I'm really keen to catch up on this, you know. Have you watched uh, the fashion show on Netflix, that new one? That's uh, hosted by Tan France. No. Oh, is there one? Okay. Yeah, it's hosted by Tan France. I forgot what it's called. The wife and I just killed it. It's really good. I've been watching a lot of trash TV lately. That's my thing now, Mm. to decompress. Mm. Like a bunch of things I would never watch prior life. We watched the Love is Blind show, The Circle. We watched Rhythm and Flow. It's a rap competition on Netflix. I can't tell you how much I despise Cardi B. <laughs> I don't understand what she's saying half the time, but yeah. Anyways. Wow. Well, I, I, I try to watch good television. You just gotta, I, sometimes I don't want to think about story. I just want to see some just unintelligible trash. Yeah. Well, it gives you hope. Jerry Springer's not on anymore. So it gives you hope because if they can be successful doing that, mm-hmm. for those yeah, of us who are true. actually trying to put out content. Yeah. So how how's this, right? It makes me feel hopeless because I'm not dumb enough to just do dumb things that people record. <laughs> I guess you could go that way with it if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so so get this. The wife and I just watched uh the house of haunt the haunted house on hill house or whatever yeah, whatever. House? Yes, like that one. whatever it's called whatever it's called <laughs> yeah that one so we watched that one she liked it i liked it it was really good i thought it was just really well just great storytelling then we're like okay she wanted to keep up with that like sort of uh genre She's like, all right, well, there's a number of things we could watch, right? Oh, because the other one we watched, uh, we we watched start that kicked it off was Lock and Key. I started it the other day, actually. We, that one was so good that sent us into Hill House. Then uh, we watched um, season one of American Horror Story. Mm. So it was literally like a step down. Just, <laughs> not just a step down Slippery it was like slope. we just jumped off a cliff so it, oh. april liked it i mean it was okay but i'm sitting there like all right i hope it gets better mm. i hope it gets better because here i am comparing it to hill house right and then season one of haunting or american horror story it's like uh okay that was a thing, I guess. Because, yeah, I don't know. It was just comparing the two. You're talking about trash TV. That's what I felt like I just watched. I'm going to start a trash TV podcast if anyone wants to join it. Just so you guys know. Oh, I won't watch I any of it. This show, I just found this show on YouTube. It's clips of like a UK show where it's like people go on first dates. And it's so good because I was like, God, I can't believe I'm so nervous about like being interesting because these people are so fucking stupid like i can't believe like i can't believe they left the house and like went out like for dinner it's, it's incredible 
God. See, I think that's the purpose of the show. You just watch and you're like, Jesus Christ, these people are dull, you know? It's great. <laughs> but it gives you better. It's like, oh, wow, I'm actually interesting. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, know. No, definitely. After a long day sometimes, because I like, you know, science fiction shows and stuff like that. It's like, after a long day, I don't want to try to keep, like, character arcs together and stuff. Unless the character arc is, did you see what that bitch said to that bitch behind that bitch's back? Damn. Crazy. You know, That's four degrees in. Like, just like, it's, the circle, yeah. The circle is just, <clears throat> I don't know why I started watching that. I finished it. and we, My wife and I watched the reunion a year later afterwards. It's so cringy. Like, you know, I love gruesome-ass B-body horror stuff. And I'll watch, you know, like the most convincing, you know, nail on the eyeball scene and be like, yeah. But then I see like someone talking about something else. Like, oh, when I said I didn't like him to his face, I'm just like sitting on the couch like, oh, it's so cringy. It's so cringy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's tapping into something that apparently I'm not desensitized to yet, which is uh, social interaction. I don't leave my house much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Drama. Yes. Hmm. And I don't do that. So when I see that drama, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, the circle, they're just they're just feeding them alcohol and it's just a bunch of people trying to fuck each other. So Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I highly suggest it. <laughs> it's a it's a good couple watch. So if you and your husband want to sit down and watch that, you could just openly talk shit about everybody and it just feels real good. Oh, and that just- sounds brilliant. Because uh another good one is the TikTok cringe memes. On YouTube, I have not encountered. I haven't do- opened the TikTok world yet. I know you've it's got, like I get into the TikTok cringe memes on YouTube. That's our typical like uh, we're way better than these people material. But yeah, <laughs> I I definitely need some. We're way better than these people. Is is a lovely genre. No, because it, nobody admits it, right? They're just like, hey, I don't know why you would want to see this. It's like we all know we're trying to feel better than these people like just saying <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why i call it trash tv i was like you know what yeah, I'm, gonna exactly. I'm gonna tell you i like it so yeah you know because now my, my mom when i go over to her house she watches that 60 day fiance show and i always used to be like why do you watch shit like this she's like because i don't know it makes me feel good about myself i'm like okay whatever and then we went out to dinner with her and i was talking about that love is blind show my mom's like oh did you hear did you see the episode when she did that and i was like yes i was like God damn it, I've become my mother. <laughs> like, I was like, I understand now why she watches this. Um, my my sister, Juan and I went to go see her, I think it was at Christmas. We were just like, Chloe, do you follow like do you follow YouTube drama? And she was like, No, I educate children. I don't know anything. I was like, because did you see what Tati Westbrook said about James Charles? And she was like, That was ridiculous. And then he responded, he clapped back with a 15-minute video. I was like, oh, come on. You like I don't know anything about makeup, but I know all the makeup channel drama. Like, it's <laughs> incredible. What's, what was the one? Jacqueline Hill forgot to declare that her latest palette isn't vegan. Oof. Cancelled. <laughs> yeah, such crap. That's how it's I felt great. watching that, that Tan France fashion show. I know nothing of high fashion. Yeah. But I was all, that looks ugly. And then by the end of it, I was all, she's going <laughs> to... I was like, she's going to put that type of material next to that pattern. I was like, fucking come on, bitch. Like, you should, <laughs> you should know better. <laughs> I was like, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? I'm the jean and t-shirt guy. 
Like, what is happening? <laughs> so, like, there is a podcast. <laughs> I'd listen to that. I, I'm I talk to my wife. I'm no joke. Watching trash TV, hit record after the first bottle of wine, and then drink the second and third one while we talk. And just even if it's just for us to listen back to ourselves being stupid, then mm. that's what it's gonna be. Because we talk about it anyways. We could be talking about you know future plans, goals, ambitions in life. You don't no. have those. No, I don't. <laughs> I think she's done hearing about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Then we keep in touch as always. Yep. I'll let you get back to Paul. Okay. I'll let you know what I think about Sherry Pie. She's getting kicked off. Oof. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't dove into RuPaul's yet, but Sherry Pie, dude, that sounds like a not a single thing. person, not a single person I've introduced it to has not. Like we we introduced the show to somebody. Like you watch a few episodes and then you're in. You got to see them all. We um we we introduced uh, one of our friends to one of the series. We're like, oh, let's just watch season three again. It's good. She watched three episodes. She was like, wait, they do their own makeup and they sing and dance. And I was like, oh, she's got it. She's got it. She knows how talented they are. She's got to see the whole thing now, you know. My sister-in-law goes to a uh, gay club in downtown Phoenix. It's a, it's a drag club. And she films for them now. Like, all their, their skits and their uh, stuff like that. So I follow her on Instagram, and I just... Now I'm like... She's been doing it for, like, six months, and there's always, like, 35 minutes worth of videos every day, because she goes there every night. Now I'm like entrenched in like the Phoenix, Arizona drag drama that she records. And like I'm familiar with the names of these people. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that was gonna happen. So she's she's the she's the self-proclaimed drag hag (laughs) that's at every show, you know what I mean? So see, I would start I would start a drag club here if only I could get people to pay attention to anything. I've already (laughs) don't. So I don't I don't think there's gonna be a flourishing fanger drag club scene anytime there's, soon but. there's gotta be some back alley basement speakeasy drag club somewhere there's one <laughs> in every city there's gotta be i'll look that up yeah. <laughs> all right have a great day you too, you too. keep in touch all right yep. bye See you. okay so that was my chat with dustin medina and chris hope you enjoyed it um and if you want to get in touch, uh, please just send an email to losingtheplotpodcast.gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, cheers. Bye.